Good evening to all the parents who are attending the session today and a very warm welcome to Dr. Pandey. Our school aims for holistic development and the mental health club My Mind Matters is another step towards achieving it. The club aims to give a platform to all the stakeholders to have an interaction. Parents are always an important part of a child's growth and parenting is a dynamic process. I thank Dr. Pante, who graciously agreed to hold this session, particularly for the parents on the topic, preparing the world within for the world outside. So without wasting more time, I pass on the virtual mic to Dr. Pante. Over to you, sir. Namaste. We have come a long way since we thought about education as information. In fact, today itself, I was uh, deeply moved when one of the parents wrote a letter to me that uh, she was telling to the child that the word Gya in Hindi, the alphabet Gya, is knowledge. Gya for knowledge. Like, you know, we Gyana, Gyana. So the child asked, what is knowledge? So now this is one of the questions which one has never even asked to oneself that what is knowledge? We send the child to school for knowledge. So what really is knowledge? Now knowledge of course we understand this much that knowledge is certainly not just the surface data which we observe through the senses and analyze by the mind. Ordinarily this is what we call knowledge that I have observed certain things from the senses and then I continue to analyze it and by analyzing, I arrive at some kind of a system or a structure or a, a formal understanding about a subject. Most of the time, a workable thing. And yet, this knowledge can be very inadequate. Take an example of somebody who, you know, the mechanic who repairs the car. Now, it's a very workable knowledge. And, uh, you know, when we have a problem with the car, we go to the mechanic. But this knowledge, his knowledge, workable, practical, efficient. Though it is, it doesn't really make us understand or he cannot make us understand what really the car is about. And least of all, it can tell us, he can tell us about how to drive the car and who is the one who is to be driven by the car, who is the person who owns the car, who will be seated within the car. So there are many aspects of knowledge which we do not understand or know. Now, let us take a very simple act, simplest of acts. Uh, I'm speaking, so and some are listening. Let's try to understand this simple act that in terms of knowledge. So, what are the things which are involved in this very simple act? And this is a very good example because very often in everyday life we see people who hear but do not listen. And that creates so much confusion in this world. Similarly, there are people who speak but do not think. So they speak and there are others who listen and who hear, but they do not listen. So now speaking and listening are not acts of the senses or the mouth or the ears. There are other aspects involved. When we speak or when we listen, now we can listen either by the left brain, which is picking up the signals, analyzing the data, putting bullet points, taking down notes. This is one kind of hearing or listening. There is another kind of listening which is a deeper listening where the heart listens. It feels for the things. 
there is still deeper listening where the soul wakes up you know when a, a speaker is speaking who can bring down forces of a different order there is a fourth kind of listening where our consciousness is engaged with another consciousness all communication is essentially a communication in terms of consciousness so there are several aspects involved within a single act similarly the speaker what is his will what is the re- recipient's will by by that i mean that why is the person speaking is he speaking because you know he has to be it's a professional job lot of people speak professionally because they have at the end of the day some money and name and fame similarly when people listen they have certain expectation what is the will behind is it that my child if i listen to a particular lecture my child is going to suddenly succeed in all the exams so depending upon our will our emotions our even the way our brain functions the mind functions and even at the level of the elementary level of the senses by the time we receive the input everything has already passed through certain filters and what we receive is not knowledge but fragments of information and that information we again try to stitch on and create a dress which is an ill fitting robe and uh, you know try to use it to help us, our us navigate through life so this i am speaking of a very simple act of speaking and listening now when we look at the totality of life we understand that well knowledge is not just about this surface understanding there is something much deeper and it can only be acquired by engaging our entire being with whatever we are doing if our whole being is not engaged in to- in the totality then we'll never understand why creation we won't understand the person who is living with us how often you know we meet situations as a psychiatrist very common i meet people and you know they seem to be doing quite well but they don't understand each other why because they are using the mind but not the heart and even while they are using the heart sometimes the other parts of nature are not getting engaged at all so we must understand that this creation like a human being is a totality this creation is also a totality as the great upanishadic saying that within the pind we have the brahmand and we have to learn to understand creation the world outside in its totality so what i mean by this is let's take a simple human being so what are we are we just a block of uh, body you know sometimes i use this paradoxical term we treat our living bodies as if it's a dead body why well we go to a doctor and say this my hand is a problem my you know leg is a problem please cure me so the body has no say in it i have no say in it we don't consult the body why why are you feeling the way you are feeling can i give my body the suggestion of healing so i'm treating it as if it's a log of wood and i have seen even people deal with each other physically i am speaking of very physical thing as if they were just log of wood see you know how people elbow around how they push smallest gestures it's like they are dealing with nothing but a log of wood because our understanding unwittingly is as if the body is just a mechanical something like a stone or a you know piece of wood and we are dealing with it like that but we know that we are not just a body we are also thoughts we are also a mind and brain is an equipment for you know translating these um, vibrations or you know something which enters the brain and takes the form of words speech so the second thing we understand about ourselves is that we are also a thought thought means something which is in a subtler dimension of our own existence we may know a person physically 
But unless we know the person's thoughts, we will never really know him. And that's why even people who are carried away just by surface charm, they often fail miserably because they have not understood what is the thinking of a person. Sometimes people look at a behavior and they don't know what is their thinking. Now a person may be very outwardly, very you know, sophisticated, but inwardly very crude. Because he has learned sophistication as a way of life, simply because these manners pay him well. So, there is a world of thought waiting to be discovered. But are we only thought? No, we are also heart. We are emotions. It it's adds to the whole, uh, you know, without emotions, life would be very dry, dull, drabute. So, we are also emotions. There is a world of feelings waiting out there. And then we discover that we are not only feelings and thoughts, we are also will. We decide, we make choices. And then we also discover as we proceed further with a human being that we are also a soul which is in evolution and there are things beyond the mind, what is known as the spiritual consciousness. And all this is my totality. Now, a same, the same analogy applies to the universe because what we are, we are the product of evolution of what was there in the universe. What was there within it, within a, you know, chunk of matter or within atom that it has grown up and become what we are. So the universe also can be seen, the world also can be seen and dealt with as if it's not just a block of wood or a stone, but as something which is living and conscious. Now it has very practical implication. Take for instance, we are taught that, you know, Sherbinder in one of his talks very beautifully said in Baroda that Mother India is not a piece of earth. But how often do we not look upon the country as a piece of earth? Land. It's not land. It's a conscious power. Now, we don't discover the conscious power because we have not looked upon ourselves like that. So, when we start looking at, let's say, a simple thing like nation or in a larger context, the very earth, when we start looking at it from that perspective that the earth is a conscious living being, it is something, it also has a soul within it because we have a soul. So we have inherited it. We are products of this earth. Then our whole understanding and dealing with this earth changes. See, now we are going through all this process of, you know, pollution and all this ozone layer and all the kinds of, you know, we are spoiling the earth. Why, is, why has that happened? Because we have never looked upon earth never looked upon ourselves as conscious beings who are evolving. We have never looked upon ourselves as spiritual beings, as beings who have a soul within. So for us, earth is also like that. We have looked upon ourselves as beings of the ego whose life is meant to just plunder and devour. So we look at, upon earth as a, you know, resources which we can gather in a mass. So again, the more we discover within... The first thing, why it is required to discover the inner worlds, the more we discover the worlds within, the more we discover the world outside in totality. Not only do we discover, we begin to manipulate or, I mean manipulate is a wrong word, deal with it very differently. Let's say, take an example from the ancient Indian way of life. So before everything, there was a prayer. Even when you went to a river, you prayed to a river. You saw the sun, you prayed to the sun. Moon, stars, snakes, God knows what not. The cow, the buffalo, everything is an object of prayer or worship. Now when we look upon creation from this perspective, then we understand that why it is so. Because a river is not just a river. And there are countless stories. River is a being. Now when we look upon river as a real conscious being, Ganga is a Maya. 
will we really try to pollute it no but now we use it like you know more a uh, more a kind, more of a kind of you know uh, a cliche rather than consciously connecting it with you know with the being of the river so the first thing is that the more we discover ourselves the more we discover the reality of the world within and the more we understand the world in its totality the more we will be able to engage with it meaningfully so we have a very nice incidents in ramayana which i often narrate uh, to some of our students also in medicine so when uh, hanuman brings sanjeevani booty so when he brings sanjeevani booty and now you know everybody is in a hurry so imagine the scenario in a hospital where a patient is almost on the deathbed and coma and he is waiting for that master medicine which is going to rescue him so that medicine is brought paying a lot of money with lot of trouble effort comes and now the next step is that it has to be delivered so what is the usual process everybody is in a hurry it's passed on to the treating doctor the sister and they administer the medicine a similar scenario arises in the in the case of lakshmana who needs sanjeevani booty and now sugriv wants to rush take it and give it to sushen where then tell him give this medicine this is going to save him but he says hold on he says why he says wait it is it contains dravigun but dravigun is not enough we need to invoke in it the true healing properties which come through a conscious invocation of these things so then what he does is he invokes the healing properties in the dravya and then it is given and it has its magical effects it may or may not have had its magical effect without it but it's a more complete a more holistic way of understanding life its practical implication would mean that if i am given a medicine and i have to take it i take it with this idea with this thought with this prayer with this feeling that may the entire universe and the lord of the universe come in this medicine which i am taking so then it becomes not a medicine but it becomes prashad so i keep telling patients who keep asking 100 questions about medicine which after a time you get exhausted so you tell them that look here take it as a prashad it'll do good why because ultimately if we really look who has put the dravagun inside the medicine we will say nature and what is nature we go further backward and backward we discover its nature is a front of a conscious force it's only the front piece the front energy frontal energy it appears mechanical but we we look behind deeper and deeper it's a conscious force so it has arranged things in a certain way so this understanding which comes by understanding the totality of a human being of a child is the first step towards truly not only holistic education but also to for the overall we often say we want the child to succeed but what is success is it just amassing wealth no he should be happy we all say happiness comes from where happiness doesn't come by just material objects we all know it very often we escape into these things because we are missing on the happiness happiness should be a natural state of existence because when we really go deeper and deeper we discover that bliss is the very stuff of all creation delight has built this universe it runs as a sap but we have not taught children to contact this delight which is innate in them they are born with it we have done everything to make sure they are cut off from that delight because we have put bars between us and the joy joy is something which is given in creation we don't need to uh, you know earn it by 
through labor. It is something which should be natural. And where does joy come from? Why we are missing upon it and using artificial means is because joy comes from heart. That is the seat of joy. That's where love resides. That's where beauty resides. That's where joy resides. And because we have suppressed the emotions, you know, very often I have this issue with people, you know, this civilization has developed entirely along left brain. Analysis, reason, success, fast, everything is like that. So we have missed out because whenever we develop one side, it is at the expense of something else. So again, success is not just about developing the left brain and child getting 99.9% marks and doing very well. He's, you know... When people say that, you know, my child is doing very well and he is a very big professor and all that. What is missing is, how is he in his personal life? Is he really happy? Is he able to relate with his family well? Is he able to relate with the world in a nice way? Now, these aspects, some children have it because they have developed very holistically, but others don't have it. And they, their own life is a misery Regardless of wherever they are and they make the life of everyone miserable because there is an aspect of uh, our being which has never been uh, even acknowledged let alone developed. Why? Because emotions are regarded as something which is interfering with the, uh, you know, ambition, with the race for success, with the develop, you know, mental faculties, reason, analysis, etc. So we miss out on this aspect. Then there is another aspect without which we cannot have success and that is passion. But we are never told or explained or trained or educated as to how to deal with this energy. In fact, passions remain where they are. And that's why we will see many uh, brilliant uh, intellectuals who have performed very well, but they don't know how to handle it. So they are very good in their work, but in their passions, they are very crude. Because it's just there, unrefined. Absolutely, it's like an asuric kind of humanity that we create. So first thing we have to understand it, there are several layers and parts and aspects within us which need to be acknowledged, let alone developed is the next step. Second is, we need to understand that all education is essentially a kind of empowerment. We are given with certain materials in life. It's like a raw product, all of us. This idea that some people are more lucky, some are less lucky, uh, maybe if we look at only one dimension, like let's say somebody is born in a rich, rich family, may people say, oh, he is very lucky. We don't know actually. It may, may, be, may not be fortunate at all because then you are not meeting the challenge of life. So first of all, our criteria are very wrong. Second is somebody who will be brilliant. We say, look, you know, this uh, very lucky, this child is too good. You know, he can recite all the nursery rhymes as a three-year-old. But we don't know. Let us let the child develop. Let's see how the heart of the child is. So, all of us are given a certain amount of raw material. The combinations may vary. What we do with it is the journey of life. The journey of life is not to just, you know, sharpen one skill and, you know, achieve things. This is our journey. We are all given this. And based on how we use that material, we prepare ourselves. If we believe the you know, Indian theory of karma, we prepare ourselves for the lives to come. How we use this raw material? So let's look at what are the raw materials given to a child. So one of the raw material is reason, for example. So how do we use reason and power of analysis? We are all the time busy analyzing sensory data and observing it. Very brilliantly. But what we are not doing with this reason is to understand and analyze our own nature. So a child never learns reflection and contemplation. Now when he doesn't learn reflection and contemplation, he doesn't know that there is within human beings an autocorrect facility. 
he misses on that why because he doesn't know that he can look into himself and discover where are the fault lines and rectify so what happens he depends on somebody else to tell him the mentor the teacher or the wife or the husband when that's a bad bargain because till teacher and mentor it's okay but when it comes to somebody personal sometimes when people don't even listen to teacher mentor wife or husband then they have children at home these children come to tell us that look here dad you may be wrong but how can a dad be wrong he is a grown up person child is just a child so we don't realize that because we have not learned the the capacity for reflection and i feel human beings are defined by that human beings are not just you know if if it is a question of brilliance and cleverness then foxes are extremely clever you see how they have a pack and they attack even an elephant or a tiger or a lion doesn't know how to handle they have a very coordinated well knit action and if you observe the actions even of a crow it's not just that the crow was dropping stones and the water came up it was a very deliberate action by the way he knew what to do to make the water reach to a level where he where he can drink so if that kind of pragmatic intelligence is what we are speaking about then we are no better than a crow crow or a fox but human beings are given this ability to detach our own awareness from ourselves this is the unique thing about human beings and observe ourselves as a student who observes something outside and in the gita there is a very good term for it swadhyaya it is normally you know uh, interpreted as study of scriptures but the word is swadhyaya it is study student of oneself if you really literally translate it so how to study ourselves this ability to detach the ability to look at ourselves objectively the ability to understand what are the forces operating within us see it leads to so much of chaos and confusion because people don't have this ability so what happens is the result we are all the time observing somebody else's faults we are all the time critical of people who are outside us but never able to look within so this is just speaking of one faculty which is called reason and if we develop the reason to look within we would have done a great service to the child and it can be done in several ways just to have a uh, you know a class which is a class of silence nothing is taught children are just sitting around now if we can't do it in class parents should you know okay sit quietly nothing so what do you do okay you sit so what happens after that discuss with the child what did you think that's when the child is confronting his inner worlds his fears his anxieties his possibilities his dreams his imaginations there is no time to stand and stare otherwise all the time the reason is turned outward and worse still downward so the same reason is turned outward and downward by downward i mean in how to maintain the you know succeed in outer life but the reason can turn inward and upward when it turns upward it looks at the same phenomena but tries to understand it from a deeper higher and a holistic perspective so this is only about reason then we are given emotion so what do we do with emotions turbulent feel most of us just put a cap over it we are taught that if you allow emotions you can't succeed in life the moment emotions come out in any form parents and teachers everybody is very worried and you know what's happening why this child is feeling love the most beautiful thing that he is feeling is the worst thing 
according to you know educators but this is a time to educate and refine it it is also a raw material obviously we have never done anything for it so this material comes out and we don't know how to handle this energy it becomes chaotic goes into the world and uh, you know brings a lot of unhappiness because it's the law of life that whatever can give us joy will also make us unhappy if we don't know how to handle it so this is an energy we have not even acknowledged let alone handling it but emotions can be refined love can be purified and lifted to a level where you know the martyr who sacrifices himself for the country he is an embodiment of love the man who gives himself for the good of all creatures as the gita says sarvabhut hiterata is an embodiment of love the person who can sacrifice all of all of himself for the sake of somebody whom he loves is an embodiment of love and above all we see the highest example which is the divine love itself which sacrifices itself becomes one with matter so that matter can be pulled up and divinized so all these are examples of the beauty of love the heights to which love can rise but what is love for us do you love me okay if you love me maybe i'll love you and the day you stop loving me that's it tata bye bye or else it is i will love you on condition that you love me now this is how there is no education at all of emotions to learn to wait to learn to sacrifice often people come and say you know relationship problems i said yes because it's not taught in school it's not its subject at all so where they should learn home but home they get the same example quarrel fights why over small trifles because neither knows that well maybe i need to sacrifice something within me to make this relationship beautiful and work so because our love is driven by the force of ego and lust and desire it goes into the background it says okay fine you people deal with it so the energy of the heart it needs education it needs refinement it needs upliftment it needs an inward turn and then we have a still more turbulent region the region from where lot of energy comes passions and passions we don't know how to handle passions can be sublimated all success whether in sports or you know any activity come when we are able to associate passion with it why people are not able to associate because they are never pursuing what they are truly interested in people are pursuing children are pursuing somebody else's agenda it could be society parents teachers whatever so they are not engaged in it they have just been told look if you do this you will get lot of money so what happens if i get lot of money you will be a successful man so what happens if you are a successful man then you have lot of you know riches comforts you can travel wherever you want to travel so what is that going to give me happiness so poor it's not the fault of children but they they trust us like you know we trust gods though we are not gods they discover it much later in life so you know they trust us papa bol rahe hain theek hoga but you know they discover much later that you know i was put on the wrong track and then they become aggressive and they become you know start fighting because they are revolting and it's very difficult to understand so first of all we must discover what really truly interests me the swabhava and the sudharma each child is unique and if he if you touch that cord then you will see all his passions will rise and he'll be within it it's not about success and failure it's it's about linking the passion to whatever we are doing that's how all work becomes a play and a joy because passions give energy that give joy it opens us i mean 
so many children and when they grow up and it's much more with women and now things are changing where they had passion they had dreams and they could never pursue it because there was a standard format earlier it was woman means she has to be inside the house and be a homemaker then later on okay some professions you can pursue but others no not your cup of tea what does a woman do where's the fighting instinct she must be on the border she must fly the fighter planes but she doesn't so whom does she fight with with a husband because you know that energy is there but it's completely never channelized never given that earth so passions as they say is like a fire if you tend it it will give you tremendous boost it's like a booster rocket and if you don't tend it it will bring down the house that it harbors and it will attach itself to all kinds of things so there are people who have not pursued their passion as it is called their deep interest and they can you know success brilliant mind so they can achieve success so what do they do with their passion because their passions are never linked to that it becomes chaotic so it goes into all kinds of nowadays people speak about you know pornographic and this and that because the passions are there they have never been refined so the refinement of this energy is best done by linking it to our own true elan our own true calling and when we link it with that it could be anything it could be a spiritual pursuit like buddha did it could be running a kingdom it could be becoming a shoemaker how does it matter something which interests us something which is done by the hand something done with the head so when we link our passions life becomes beautiful and one most important thing which we forget in all our education uh, curriculum is where is the switch that switches on the entire human machinery you know you have a car and you don't have the key it's a wonderful car and imagine every time somebody else comes and says i don't give you the key somebody will come you carry a driver who will ignite do the ignition then you drive we are much like that who drives us the key to this um, entire human i don't want to use the word apparatus but the human being human consciousness is will and faith two things of which we are not even aware it is will which will make a choice where the car will go so very often when people say how does it matter life is moving on i'll move the way whichever way they feel like they move so i said this i tell them this very horrifying actually if you look at it so how why it is horrifying imagine you sit in a car and tell the driver take me wherever you feel like now well he may say well i'll take you to a you know pub okay fine you have taken me there fine i'll enjoy the pub then where do i come sir i live in a place nearby i have to enjoy there rest there why don't you come i am taking you okay wherever you take me this is a horrifying thing to give away our will and faith in any hands of any forces i i believe that if there is truly something sacred in a human being it's not intelligence it's not even emotions the truly sacred thing is will and faith never it should be bargained or bartered this is a right given birthright is to make conscious choices and even parents none of us should choose for a child we should equip a child to make his own choices and by the time a child is 15 16 17 18 the child should be so equipped that he can make the choices so this ability this power to make choices because life will always present with choices all life journey is about choices 
Every moment we are making a choice. And what do we make the choice on the basis of? On the basis of faith. Inbuilt faith. If my faith is that life can be beautiful, my choices will be such that they will tend towards making it beautiful. If my faith is that life is nothing but, you know, so then my choices will be based on how to really amass things which can make feed my hunger. So faith and will are the two most important. In fact, the Gita even goes on to say faith. It says, because faith is even behind will. Based on the faith, the will is driven. So Gita even goes on to say that what is a man? A man is his faith. And this faith has nothing to do with religion. Religion is, uh, um, let us leave it outside. <laughs> it's, it's become a bit dated. True, religion is to discover the divine presence in everything. Religion is, you know, God is not just in uh, Mandir Masjid and, uh, you know, Girja Ghar. He is the omnipresent, omniscient reality. And all religion are meant to teach us that. A temple is only a place where we go and understand. But the moment a child wakes up to the sense of an omnipresent, omniscient reality, which is inbuilt within atom, within the universe, in the drift of the stars, galaxies, in the slightest emotion, in the waves that you know curl up upon the sea, in the streaming of the river flowing towards its source, towards its goal, in the mountains majestic and high, then we begin to become aware that there is a greater reality and all universe is its expression. And to become aware of this great reality is what is spiritual education. This is a dimension which must wake up. Why? Because it brings in the innate sense of unity of creation. We cannot create unity by any artificial means. Whether it be a common language, a common code, a common custom, common tradition, all this unity is all flippant. It's just a surface thing. But the day we wake up to this thought, if not the actual experience, that there is behind all this creation, behind everything and everywhere, this omnipresent, omniscient reality, then every home will become a temple. Right now, home is home. A place to enjoy or fight. And for God, oh, he is in temple. So for a few minutes I'll go, pray there, and then I'll come back to my oh, same old story. God is not in my home. Nor is he in my business corporate office. We have shut the doors. He is the only, uh, the only thing which monopolizes over God is. Okay, can, am I audible now? There was a disconnection in between. So basically we have to understand that there is an omniscient reality. It's everywhere. Now imagine if I start treating my house as a place where God is present. Not only in a small little puja room. The concept of puja room is over. But in my bedroom, in my you know, living room, in my bathroom, in my kitchen and in my office space, then life would automatically become beautiful. So this idea, that's why we see today that religion is breaking down and people are very worried. But actually speaking, why? Because God is stepping out of the temples, he is stepping out of the puja room. He is saying, no, I want to be with you. I want to be everywhere. I want to be as your friend. Don't treat me like somebody who is shut inside doors of creeds and formulas and rituals. He has wanted to be a friend. He is our eternal friend. But we have forgotten that. So we need priests, intermediaries, rituals, creeds, belief systems. But divine is an omnipresent reality. So this is where the spiritual education. And finally, 
the psychic education which is about discovering that there is within us a deeper reality which is the source of all this outer formation, our will, faith, intelligence, everything has emerged from there. And it changes from life to life, it comes so. It is something independent of the circumstances of our birth, independent of the conditions of our life, independent of our environment, but it is there and its sign in human beings is that it always seeks for truth and beauty and good. Or the secret sense of divinity. The moment a human being seeks these things, truth, beauty, good, he is marked out. He is a different category. And it is inbuilt. We are programmed for that. And when we understand that there is something within us which has an intuition, that there is something like truth, there is something like good, something like beauty, something like a whisper of divinity, then it means the psychic education has begun. And now we have to only lead it along its own path. Somebody who seeks as truth, lead him along that path. Somebody who seeks as beauty, as love, as intelligence, whatever be the path, we have to lead it along those lines. But remind him always that, look, there is something deeper than all these things. This formation of nature, this personality, this surname, name, circumstances which we are seeking. So this, in a nutshell, is the totality of a human being. And the more we discover it within ourselves, we'll discover in this creation. If I discover love within, I'll discover love in the universe. And if I don't discover love in people around me, in this world, that, that means I have not made this discovery within me. If I see in this world nothing but cheats and rogues, then it means that basically something within me is a cheat and a rogue. <laughs> Whatever coating and covering I may have, because I have not confronted the beauty of life. The moment I discover beauty within me, I will see it more often in others. So if we really want to, you know, empower our children in the real sense of the word, these are the elements we must focus upon. Faith, will, intelligence, whether it's turned outward and downward or inward and upward. Emotions, the whole world where we have so, it's a whole field where we see beautiful flowers entangled with thorny bushes. The world of emotions is like that. Some rare, exquisite flowers without which a garden would be incomplete. You know, imagine a stone house. That's what reason builds. Beautiful house. But not a single patch of grass, no flowers. Well, it looks very nice, but it's barren. So emotions are like that. They really add to the whole beauty of the landscape. So this, but you know, it's full of uh, thorns. It's a path which has its own you know, like everything else, charm and dangers, but it must be brought out. Then we have will, we have passions, we have faith, and above all, we have something called as a psychic being and a spiritual being and all this. And not to forget, the last but not the least, that we have a body. And the body is the house housing all these things. And if the body is neglected, Beyond a point, we cannot have the play of all the higher intensities. You see, people have a brain fatigue when they read Shurabindo. Sometimes they have this problem. Say, Sir, we want to read. What to do? When we are reading him, we feel sleepy. So the advice is, keep reading. Why? Because your brain will develop the muscles. Sometimes when someone, people ask that, why do we go to school to study? So, children need to be told, you go to school to study so that you can develop the brain muscles. 
just like we do physical exercises so there are muscles in the brain by muscles not literal but the neuronal network it's known that these neurons evolve they you know more complex structures you see that's why people who have developed taken care to develop these structures they don't they are not swayed by whatsapp gyan whatever has come on whatsapp is truth gospel truth they apply their minds their brains because they have taken care to develop it they are not gullible enough to just believe in anything and everything that comes from any quarter so we go to school to develop even these brain muscles this is the base of the body the heart literally little excitement little joy little sorrow and you know the heart begins to fail people sulk sink or begin to beat with excitement how can we really experience the or contain or hold the onrush of the forces of love and ananda we say that you know we don't know we don't experience divine love and divine ananda are we can't even experience a little bit of joy joy and sorrow both have a common passage through the eyes tears so we need to make this body and brain strong the heart the brain the limbs when the divine force streams in and flows through the limbs can we really contain it or are they weak enough and they will break down so the body is the base it is the pot in which the soil in which everything is coming up or rather the body is the pot and nature is the soil and all these are different uh, instruments which are part of the pot and all these are different seeds within reason will emotion passions faith and we need to cultivate and develop these seeds so that the full tree can emerge Uh, and that full tree is a beauty it's a love it's joy of creation and it will one day bear beautiful flowers and beautiful fruits because that is the seed sown in the soil of human nature so this is the broad background we'll stop here and if there are questions they are welcome namaste uh thank you bhai there's one question which has come which says that how do we understand thoughts uh, wills mind emotions energy of our children often as parents our experience blueprint uh, takes over our interaction with children yes so first thing is that before we reformat the children we need to reformat ourselves it's true that <laughs> thanks for reminding that that you know when we ourselves have not empowered or developed our inner beings all of us as elders educators how can we really engage with children see it is the irony of life and very unfortunate that by the time we are 25 and we have a degree and a job we believe that now we know everything one of the greatest illusions with all of us as parents and which we discover through our children no we are not the know how know all of everything but we believe that we know it all and we have the wisdom to really guide the children whereas we don't even have the uh, you know we are not even equipped to guide our own life and children see through it so you know after some time we become a laughing stock you know because parents tell their children do this and don't do this and children say we see what mess your own life is in so don't give us gyana <laughs> you first have the gyan so essentially first thing or at least simultaneously we must discover ourselves become integrated beings the days are over when children respected parents because they are parents when they respected teachers because they are teachers when they respected elders because they are elders those days are gone now they respect authenticity 
So I flip this um, famous Sanskrit saying and give it a different meaning. And we all know, we were taught as children, Matra Devo Bhava, Pitra Devo Bhava, Acharya Devo Bhava. So its conventional meaning is, treat your father as, you know, mother as God and father as God and teacher as God. Now, my own <laughs> sense within it is, Matra Devo Bhava, oh mom, be as God the mother is, divine mother is. Tall order. Pitra Deva Bhava. Dad, be, have the infinite patience that the Divine Father is, has. Wise, infinite, strong. And Acharya Deva Bhava. Oh teacher, educator, be as the Divine educates us. How does he educate? Sometimes he will tell us a lesson. Sometimes he will let us have a lesson. Go through life. But he is always there. Always available, always accessible. The child goes or I mean how the divine teaches us. We go through, we commit what are called as mistakes. But they are not mistakes, they are steps of the learning. So you know we suffer from this zero error syndrome. And when parents come and say you know my child. So I ask them, make the child sit outside and ask them. Tell me seriously you never made a mistake in life. And they are very quiet and you know. And see, you have learned through your own mistakes. Teach the child how to learn. If you say he, will, he should never make a mistake, you are living in a fool's paradise. So, rather equip a child that when he goes through life and does things, he has the trust that he can come back and talk to the parents. So, what happens is because of this do's and don'ts, children, what they develop is hypocrisy. They never come back and tell their parents because they are afraid that they will be scolded and chastised. So what happens is that many of these children, because they can't speak to their own elders and educators for fear of judgment, they speak to their friends, which is much worse. So at home they have a very nice sadhu bacha image, but outside they are completely different children. I mean, and it's not their fault. So what do they do? They pick up from these books here and there, they pick up, you know, from so-called friends, and then they are misguided, misled, cinema is there, to teach us all that we should not learn and therefore later on we say look here that's why we wanted to be strict but you didn't listen to us so we be you became this rather we should say perhaps we were a little too strict that you couldn't have the trust to come back and discuss things with us and have a chance to learn so all learning is through that there is no evolution without error there is a very beautiful line in Savitri our errors are his steps upon the way we use the word error, but it's a learning process. So by saying that a child should never make a mistake, we are basically saying you become a copy of what I am as an adult, which is most certainly never a good, good example to imitate even. So we must understand this aspect and parents must grow up. Uh, I'm sorry to you know use this word. When mother was, uh, somebody asked the mother, uh, a teacher, how do we, uh, how do we, uh, Make the children grow up to come to our level. And mother said, excuse me. Ask how do I, I grow up to be uh, to the level of the child. Because the child is like a clean slate. We are fixed format people. So nothing new comes in. But children are still, you know, wonderful creatures. Because they are so open, plastic. It's our task to make them bloom in a wonderful way. Not to format them the way we are. So this is where I feel that, uh, you know, Acharya Deva Bhava and Petra Deva Bhava, we have to grow up. And the more we grow 
as i said there are parents who say all this psychic education spiritual education is all nonsense so i tell them i can understand your difficulty because you have never discovered it within yourself so take the trouble of discovering and logically imagine if there is no soul and spirit then what are we really teaching the child to go and take cannabis why because that's the only logical thing to do if there is nothing called as the soul or a spirit something greater and higher nobler and more beautiful then you take away the whole basis of morality you pull the rug and then you want to be a good guy why should he be a good guy because he will say that look if i am a good guy i am paying all my taxes but it doesn't give me money so i have to earn money so i start you know telling a lie why because there is no basis of goodness the basis of goodness is the secret sense of divinity in this creation and if i have not discovered it just too bad i need to discover it then only i can meaningfully give it to the child so parents and child uh, teachers and child we are constantly both students and teachers the child is teaching us even as the child is learning from us and we are learning from the child even as we are teaching the child so this uh, idea should come that we are constantly progressing we don't become teachers just because we have a degree we don't become uh, all learned people because uh, i have become a parent now and i have a good job so i have a right i have gone crossed over my boundaries of ignorance so as long as that humility is there we will constantly progress and make our children progress so that's yes so there's one more question by you it ha, says ha. that uh, during this pandemic uh, children have become extremely lazy and are studying late in fact their school the pattern has changed because they are not going to school so they are waking up the whole night and sleeping the whole day how do we handle these changes okay the pandemic situation is of course unique so these are special situations but i must say that parents because they have not given children this scope of physical education you see children should be even with mask parents should teach them if you see now we are able to go out earlier in, in in the initial month or one and a half months i understand they couldn't go out but what prevents us from you know teaching the children to do some on the spot exercises to run to jog to do so many things to help out in the kitchen now basically because our whole orientation was towards classroom studies and so this is what they have to learn to if nothing else you can do aerobics just at home so i know there are parents who now for the last few months they take their child out and you know leave the child to run about or you know do cycling or different kinds of activities you know it will depend upon the resources and uh, you know availability but definitely they will become lazy if there is no physical exercise there is no stimulus from the world and they need also the stimulus so class digital classes are all right but they are not the only stimulus one has to give different kind of stimulus to a child different uh, kinds of things which can engage awaken interest so basically it boils down to how much time we have and unfortunately again most of us as parents ourselves are very lazy people we go home so what do we do we go home and sit and the next question is thoda chai lana whoever is there you know so no, it, this must change so we must be living examples that when we come how are we what activities we engage in ch- children will pick it up but anyway this is a special situation i am sure you know within a month it will go away but it is time to rethink and make sure that we encourage a lot of physical education 
for children which has been sadly missing so this is yeah uh, there's one more question and i think this is going to be the last one that yes. i'm scared about the world my child is going to how do i manage my uh, fear oh, how do i manage my fear and how do i handle equip my child to go out into the world okay this question has many aspects to it that you know i am afraid when my child goes out into the world yes the world has a side which is very frightful side nobody can deny it there is in this world terror and disease and you know challenging situations but teach the child that well this is first of all one side of this world you know they should not develop a lopsided view that you know there used to be an advertisement of lace packets that you know don't trust strangers this is a very uh, lopsided view there is of course there are people who can be difficult and uh, uh, but i personally believe this been my experience also and i'm sure everybody's experience if we step back there are more good people in the world but yes they are they are very average which is okay means thereby that they have a little animal inside and given a chance they will you know the animal can come out so you have to we have to equip the child that how to defend oneself if given such a situation supposing the child is in challenging situation so what does the child do do you make the child simply shrink into shrink back or teach him equip him to face the challenge of life and one of the simplest ways to face the challenges of life and to develop confidence is again a good physical education including martial arts it must be taught to children that if tomorrow you go into the world now this i'm talking of a situation which is more physical a child should have the confidence that he can he or she can deal with uh, you know rogues and criminals very unfortunate when i see you know many of these girls they don't know and they are you know moving just with sprays sprays are okay but what prevents people from learning it thorough physical education that they can deal with it then there are other kinds of fears there are fears of many unknown things which can happen in life how do we deal with it there is only one way and that is to take life with trust how does trust come in by knowing that despite all the anomalies of life there is something deeper which can be called as a divine wisdom a divine grace a divine consciousness which is there everywhere in everything so i'll give you one story which i found very interesting as a child and i often tell people see there was a this boy who used to go uh, through a jungle and go to school and uh, you know often mother poor mother she would carry the child and one day uh, she couldn't go so she said you manage your way so the child said that but you know this you know it's a fearful jungle what if i feel afraid what if this animal can come that can come so the mother said oh you okay you don't know there is a brother he told for the sake of saying uh, you call him he will come so who is my brother he is gopala call him he will come so the child goes and comes back he is very happy many days pass mother has forgotten about the incidents and this is she says you know my brother is so amazing i wish he could come and live with me in the house so this is why what happened he says you know this gopalai gives me such a nice company one day in my school they wanted some milk and i didn't know i didn't have the heart to tell you because you will say you know milk is deficient so i asked gopala he brought milk and this was so much milk that you know we could feed the whole school now leaving aside the exaggerations and the analytical side of the story but the story is reminds us that all the time wherever we are there is the divine presence with us it is very unfortunate that we have not ourselves learned to connect with that and we have not taught the children to connect with that and that is the simplest of all education 
All that we know, need to know, you know, these very nice lines with regard to this. What is it? The, one of them is from Ramcharit Manas. Kalyug Jogna Japna Gyana Ek Adhar Ram Gana. This is another where uh, Guru Nanak Dev Ji says. He says, Nam is the Adhar, basis of existence. So when we learn this simple thing we have not taught to children is to truly pray. Not pray a mechanical parrot-like prayer that come now it's prayer time. So children are doing you know Om Jai Jagdish Hare and they are looking all around. So that's not you know and they are waiting for Hanuman Chalisa to finish. But to simply know that there are beings in the invisible. Just as in the invisible world there are all kinds of fears. There are also beings who are there to help and most of all there is a divine being. And we learn to call. So it could be very simple. Simply they can learn a simple mantra like Om or Ma or Krishna or Rama or Allah or Christ. Doesn't matter. Buddham, Sharnam, Gachami, whatever. This understanding that by taking God's name, He will be with us to make God our friend. Because there is no way we can master all the uncertainties of life. There is just not possible for the human mind to imagine every situation and equip the child. We cannot. Let's understand the inability of the human mind. But we can equip the child that in whatever situation there is something which overrides the situation. Something which is greater. And if we invoke that and stay in the right attitude. Which means we trust that when we have called, the help will come. The grace will come. We would have equipped. But this cannot be done suddenly one day. It may happen. A child in a sudden state of you know, terror may actually invoke. It may work. Earth. But we have to, this also is part of the education. To understand that there is a much greater, profound, deeper reality. And it's not just there as a witness. We can call for it. And it can help and intervene. And this is best done through so many stories. As a child, I learned so many stories. So it just came natural to me. Are, if you call God, He will come. What is the big deal about it? I mean, it's not that I'm an irrational creature. I mean, gone through the medical schooling and everything, Mother's Grace did well. Because you understand this belongs to a different domain. We, we need to understand our senses and analytical reason cannot tell us about whether God exists or not. It will lead us to agnosticism. But there is something within us, a faith and an intuition in things which are not but yet are. And one of them is the divine. And this sense of the divine, not just as an impersonal uh, nirguna satta, which is okay. That is for spiritual pandits, for pandits, whether God is nirgun, sagun, <laughs> you know, impersonal or personal. Leave that aside for the pandits to debate and discuss. But God as a being, divine being, who doesn't care what name we call him with, but who responds to our call. That we have to awaken in the, in the child as a spontaneous trust in the divine. So this what is the ultimate solution for all fears. Fears. Alright? Thank you. So shall we stop here? On behalf of the entire MIS family, I would like to express I would like to express my humble gratitude to Dr. Alok for always bringing such meaningful insights to our everyday life. Thank you, sir, for reminding us that we are dynamic, conscious beings who must aspire to education for the holistic meaning and empowerment that it provides us. The resources of faith, passion, sensitivity, joy, resilience and love 
are certainly the anchors that help us tide over the most challenging of circumstances. This has truly uh, motivated me to look within and I'm sure it has done the same for everybody who has joined us today. Thank you so much for being here today and uh, thank you so much to everybody else who has joined us on the uh, for this program and we would like to end this meeting here and we wish you all a great night. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.